Now I have from Luke's gospel a few passages that I want to bring to your attention. So thank you again for coming. Remember these meetings as they would continue from Monday to Friday at the hour of half past seven. So at half seven uh, each night, Monday to Friday, and I know that I don't say schedule the way you say it, but if you could arrange your schedule or schedule or any other diary of yours, pencil in, put it in ink, 7.30, you'll be here at the gospel meeting. And I just also want to say thank you to so many of you that are coming each night. It's tremendous. Some of you younger ones, uh, I know that you want to stay at home and do your homeworks on that, but instead you've been coming to the meetings, so we just want to say thank you very much. Luke chapter 1, verse 66. Luke chapter 1, verse 66. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. What manner of child shall this be? Chapter 7, please. Luke chapter 7. And verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. What manner of woman this is, for she is a sinner. Chapter 8, reading at verse uh, 24, 8 and 24. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. What manner of man is this? Finally, please, in chapter 24, we'll just stick with Luke's gospel tonight. Luke chapter 24, and we'll listen to the words of the Lord Jesus as he approached a couple, and here's what he said in verse 17, Luke 24 and 17. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? What manner of communications. It's so obvious tonight, we're looking to God to bless his word, I know, but it's so obvious tonight that we're going to speak on this little expression, what manner of, what manner, what kind of, what manner of. You see, Luke, we find out from elsewhere in the Bible that he was a doctor, a medical doctor. The beloved physician is what Paul could call him. And while we respect very much our, our beloved physicians and the nurses and the care, the carers and that, and never, I, I can't, you know, to be quite honest with you, I don't know of any other profession that I used to stand out on Wednesday evenings and clap for. I don't know. I never clapped for my teacher. Well, maybe if they deserved it. But I never clapped for anyone. But we clapped for all our doctors and nurses and a grand job they were doing. We were so pleased indeed. But Dr. Luke takes a good look at things. And he notices things, especially about people. And whenever he looked and whenever he listened 
he would just notice something and he would say, what manner of, what manner of, what kind of this or that. And so I want to bring to your attention four expressions. What manner of child is this? What manner of woman this is? What manner of man this is? And what manner of communication are these? What manner of child shall this be? I know that I'm speaking here in Luke chapter 1 about John the Baptist. But I would like to remind our audience this afternoon that every single child has eternal purposes. Oh, you say, that child there, that child there is very bright, very intelligent. I'm glad to hear it. Eternal purposes. Oh, but you see, my, my child here, an absolute, I've heard this little expression, a little rip. No, a wee rip. I don't know what a wee rip is, but I think there's a few wee rips in the meeting tonight. And some of you that are older were wee rips when you were younger. I'm just guessing. I don't really know what it means, but I like the sound of it, to be quite honest with you. What manner of child? Oh, this one's very intelligent. Great purposes. So is this one over here, the wee rip. You say, what about one that maybe is not mentally or emotionally fully developed? What about them? Eternal purposes. Eternal purposes. There has never been, not even an aborted baby, that does not have God's stamp and God's image upon it. So therefore, it has everlasting existence and it has purposes that are in God's heart. And I just want to drop that in because our society must and shall take care of its most vulnerable and even those that can't take care of themselves. I am so pleased and I have been into schools where every single child has had some incredible difficulty. And I just wonder and I just see the care that they're getting there in the schools I've seen in Belfast, and I bowed my heart and thanked God that I live in Northern Ireland, where every one of them have a carer, someone to come alongside. Well, now, if I am pleased to see that in our school systems and in our hospitals, I want you to lift your eyes high. I want you to consider God. God's eternal purposes are stamped in the heart of every child. And that means you. And you did not come into this world so that you would go down to hell. It is not the will of God that any should perish. Get that into your mind that God loves you. And God desires to save you. Oh, you say, what about the one? What about the one that can't think for themselves? So incredibly deficient, missing this and that in their brain. And so, Let me just assure you, I am fully convinced that when Christ died on that cross, that he covered, the blood of Jesus Christ covers all those that can barely think for themselves. But you can think. You can think, you can reason, you can believe. And God holds you responsible. God holds you responsible. 
for what you do with his son and salvation. What manner of child shall this be? Eternal purpose. Then I come to chapter 7 and what we read there. And I'm going to use this woman now as an example of us all. Surely I could use a man as a representative and the Bible can use a woman as a representative. And here this woman, she is a representative, representative of us all. But we see her coming in. The Lord Jesus has sat down to a meal. As I would understand it, some of these open verandas and, and uh, open porches and areas of rich people's homes, it is quite possible for someone to come walking in from the street and make their way into the courtyard and come right to where the family is eating. And there's the Lord Jesus, and he's sitting down, and he's eating. In comes a woman, and she comes in behind him. I, I dare say that's significant. I think she is well used to being in front of people. And maybe parading herself, but now she's coming humbly. She understands something of her own sin. And she understands that this is a man that'll treat her differently than every other man. And she begins to weep and wash his feet with her tears. And the Pharisee, the Pharisee looks on and does not see a person with eternal purpose does not see someone who is coming humbly before God. All he sees is the evident problem. She's a sinner. That's all he sees. Mind you, I think that that's part of the problem maybe in this gospel meeting, is that some of you are not looking at the evident problem that every one of us have. And it hasn't really dawned on your heart that I am a sinner. Pharisee, Pharisee says, Pharisee Simon, he just says, doesn't, doesn't he know what manner of woman this is? Does not the Lord, I tell you, the Lord did know. The Lord did know. And it is remarkable, isn't it, that the Lord Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. That's a miracle. Can I just assure you, every one of you, that the Lord Jesus Christ will receive you if you come humbly to him. He doesn't turn any away and says, you're not good enough, or you're not clean enough, or you're not this enough, and you're not that enough. He says, come unto me. Did not John give us that so lovely the other night? Heavy laden, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Even John told us how to preach. I'm not to preach it like this. I'm to preach it like this. Come unto me, says the Lord Jesus. And Simon the Pharisee says, this woman. She is a sinner. And so are you. Could that just sink in for a moment, please? A sinner. I was saved on March 15th. I happen to remember the date. I couldn't tell you the time, but I happen to remember the date. But the day before, I realized something that I'd never really appreciated. I remember leaning forward as we crossed over the railway tracks that came into our little hometown. And just as I was leaving, the, we came from the ministry meeting and over the railway tracks, they were very bumpy. We came over them and coming into the little village, I remember leaning forward and tapping my mother on the shoulder and said, I never knew before that whenever the preacher was talking about sinners, he was talking about me. Oh, that that would dawn on your heart. 
that when we are talking about sinners, we're talking about you. Mind you, I wasn't, I wasn't much older than some of you here. And I was plenty younger than the rest of you. And let me assure you, she is a sinner. I realized I was a sinner. Have you? And all the consequences? What manner of woman this is? What an evident problem. I'm so glad I go to the next chapter and I have that question asked, what manner of man is this? And now I'm not just speaking about men as opposed to women. I am speaking about the Lord Jesus who has the essential power to deliver and to save people that are beginning to go down. That's where they thought they were going. It says there came down a storm of wind. And they said, we perish, we're going down. And so you are. So you are. To perish is to go down. Down to the pit is what another verse says. And to go down, my friend, under your sin and under the judgment of God, we should be calling out to this man saying, we perish. Master, master, we perish. When's the last time you called upon God and said that? Have you ever had a moment in your life when you've realized that you are a sinner? Your sinner is sinking you deep and down, not just under the waves of the lake here that we're speaking of. But there is this man who can save you. You say, what manner of man is this? Well, if I was to tell you what manner of man this is, poor John Rogers wouldn't get one single minute in this meeting. Because I can tell you he's better than all the men you've ever known. He is stronger. He's more mighty. He's more lovely. He's more gentle. He's more, he's more caring. He's, he's compassionate. He's, he's like a shepherd. And he's also one who became the Lamb of God. And there is nothing about the Lord Jesus that I not, cannot commend to you to observe and to wonder and to marvel and to say, what manner of man is this? Says the Song of Songs, it says he is altogether lovely. He's the fairest of 10,000. There's no one. He's absolutely incomparable. You come to the book of Hebrews and you get the word better, better, better. And so you would find that whatever it was that you could take the very best of earth, the Lord Jesus is better. And I'll say this, his love is better than what I understand. His grace is better. His power is better. Everything about Christ is better than what you and I can truly appreciate. So when he went to the cross, and when he died in our place and he died for our sins, that salvation is better than I can describe. Because the flames of hell I can never describe to you. And the bliss of heaven I'll never be able to describe. And even when I get there, I'll probably end up saying, uh, the half hath not been told. Words unspeakable. In fact, that's what Paul said when he talked about the gift of the Lord Jesus. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. What manner of man is this? This manner of man may not be able to be described by me, but I can tell you this, this man can save you. He can save you from going down to the pit. He can save you from going under the flames of hell. He can save you right here and right now because a dead Savior can save nobody, but a resurrected Savior can save everybody. 
and he's alive and able to do it. So then I say to you, a child, eternal purpose. This woman, an evident problem. This man, the Lord Jesus, essential power. Let me just end by bringing to your attention, what manner of communications are these? Why are you still sad? The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Why are you still sad? Why are you still going day to day in a troubled mode? Why are you wondering about the Savior and whether he can save you? Why are you wondering about your sin? Why are, you, why are your communications still all mixed up? The Lord Jesus draws aside and says, as you walk and are sad. He knows you're sad. He knows you're troubled. He knows your frustration. He knows everything about you. And the Lord Jesus, I trust, will draw alongside you just now and say to you, what manner of communications are these? What's your conversation like this for? It doesn't need to stay that way. And what the Lord did on that occasion is he began to open up the scriptures. And he says, Christ must suffer and enter into his glory. And then, and then, I will just term it everlasting peace. He not only gave them peace that night, he came to that upper room and he said, peace be unto you. And I want to assure every single person here that's troubled about their sin, there is a peace that the Lord Jesus can give you. It's hard to explain. I'll just call it a knowledge. For when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that he died for you and in your place. You don't need to fear hell. You don't need to fear judgment of sin. It's all sorted. It's done. No need to be sad anymore. You can receive peace. May God bless his word. Turn again, please, to the Bible, to Matthew's Gospel. First of all, please, chapter number 27. <clears throat> Chapter 27 of Matthew's Gospel and verse number 20, 45. Matthew 27 and 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now back to the Psalms, please. Psalms number 32, please. Psalms number 32. Psalms 32, verse 4. Psalms 32 and verse 4, please. For day and night thine hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Now, Matthew, please, again, 24. Matthew 24, please. Matthew 24 and uh, 40. Then shall two be in the field, and the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one taken and the other left. 
the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but this know ye, that if the good man of the house had known in, the, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh, and then please, Revelation chapter 20, please. Chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse 12. <clears throat> and John says, I saw. John's the writer that tells us all the different things he saw. And here's what he saw at the end. He says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. We know the Lord a lot of blessings through these words, along with what we've been privileged to listen to already. I want to speak tonight on loneliness. I want to speak first of all on the loneliness of Calvary for Christ. Then I want to speak about the loneliness of conviction for the sinner. And then I want to speak about the loneliness of those that are left after the Lord comes. And then I want to speak of the loneliness of the sinner. As he leaves the throne, the loneliness of the sinner as he receives the sentence. There they stand. The loneliness of Golgotha. The loneliness of conviction. The loneliness that are those that are left that is coming. And the loneliness at the close. And the loneliness that will be the sinners forever. When we come to Matthew chapter 27 and other scriptures, it's plain that the Lord Jesus suffered alone. There's a hymn in our new book there, and it says it was alone. We want to think just of the Savior alone. He'd come from heaven. You all know that. And he was a man of sorrows here on earth. Often he was alone. We can think of those mountain experiences he had. The disciples going to their own homes. And the Lord Jesus alone. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was uh, often said about him that the foxes there had their holes. And the birds of the air had their nests. But Jesus Christ the Son had nowhere to lay his head. It was a lonely path for Christ. Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But when we come to Matthew and other writers, now he had a lonely time in Gethsemane as well. And the disciples uh, sleeping, and the Savior praying. He comes out of the garden, crosses the brook, and then we had those lonely, that lonely night of all the different places that was visited, and all the different trials. And then there's Calvary. It's Calvary. And here, Matthew, the king writer, tells us that uh, there was a cry made. Matthew mentions the two, the two other th the two thieves. And then he mentions Christ, and then he mentions the darkness. And from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was a darkness. And in that, in those hours upon the cross, there Jesus Christ was alone, alone, suffering. The psalmist writing in Psalm 22, he reminds us of this. He says he cried in the daytime, thou hearest not. Night season, I'm not silent. And then he goes further to say, look for helpers, none. For some to take pity, none. And there he was alone, alone. I did mention, maybe, 
Uh, one night here, I was in Scotland one time and we went over to a bit of an island there off Scotland. I forget the name of it, but very desolate island. And I remember traveling and uh, every corner you went round, just it was desolation and desolation and nothing to be seen. Society was surely, we'll get a coffee shop around the next corner, but nothing to be seen for miles and miles and miles. Just a lonely, derelict place. Nothing but mountains, derelict. And, uh, as I was driving through that, I was thinking of Christ. I was thinking of that scapegoat, that goat, taken out into a land the Bible talks about, a land non inhabited. And that sheep could bleat and bleat and bleat and bleat. That never one would hear it. It reminds us of the lonely sufferer of Golgotha was Christ. There he hangs upon a cross. That's why he'd come. He'd come on a tremendous journey. Travelled here, we'd hear what manner of man is this? A man from another country, as we have heard. No one like him. Now he's hanging upon a cross, alone. Alone. Those had denied him. Others had forsaken him. And there he hangs alone. Sixth hour to the ninth hour is a darkness. What's happening? I often wondered what the animals thought. What's happening? Here's what's happening. The creator is dying for the creature. Well might the sun we used to sing. Well might the sun in darkness hide. And shut his glories in. What's happening? The incarnate maker's dying. For man, his creature's sin. What a story. The Christ of Calvary hanging upon a cross. And there alone, no one else could take your place. No one else could die for you. No one else could bear the sinner's sin. Only Christ alone. And there he hangs. We hear his cry. Listen to that cry. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That is to say, Listen to it so. My God, my God, why hast thou, God, forsaken me? There was a distance experienced by Christ and a depth to suffering and a darkness that I have to stand back and I have to say I don't understand it. None of the ransomed ever knew how deep those waters crossed. Mind you, the waters were deep. The suffering was, was un, un, unparalleled. And there alone Christ suffered. Alone, friend. Alone upon the cross he hung that others he might see. He cries, my God, my God, why? You would ask yourself the question, friend. The thought is, it was abandoned. Just abandoned. No way to pity. And there alone he hung. And the wrath of God that was our due all laid on him. Forsaken alone. 
And I tell you, friend, I trust you get it tonight. But he was forsaken, abandoned. That you and I would not be abandoned forever. In hell, you get that. He went the distance. And he endured the suffering. And he paid what God's throne demanded in order that you and I would not be abandoned in hell and lost forever. I tell you, friend, I trust that the seriousness of your sin and the reality of that, and not only he was... I want to ask you, friend, did you think Christ was able to endure what God's throne demanded? Was he able to bear the price? Was he able to pay the price? Was he able to satisfy that throne of God on account of your sin and mine? Or did he fall short? Was he not able to endure it? No, friend, not a a possibility. Don't let that thought ever enter your head. No, dear, so when Christ was there alone, in those hours upon the cross, a holy God laid to meet upon him the iniquity of us all. And there he hangs alone. He bore sin alone. He died alone. He paid the price alone. No one else, friend. We stand tonight and ask you, dear soul, as you think of the sufferings and as you think of the death of Christ and you think of the Lord of sin that was laid, taken and laid on Christ. And that cry that he made, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Here's the answer. It was because my sin. On him, by God, was laid he who himself had never sinned. You get that, friend. I don't know how he help you to trust him tonight. The one that never sinned was forsaken and abandoned alone on the cross and he paid the price in full in order that I could be saved. I could again, why was he there? As the bearer of sin. If on Jesus my guilt was not laid or why from his side flowed that sin-cleansing tide. If by his dying my debt is not paid, I couldn't tell you the depths to which he went. I could not tell you the darkness that he felt, I don't know. But I can tell you this, friend, that all my sins were laid upon him. Every one of them. Jesus bore them, every one in the tree, and he was forsaken. And we not only tell you the cry, he cried when he asked why. That other cry that John mentions, he cried when all was paid, there alone on the cross. He bowed his sacred head when all was done and everything was paid. He bowed his sacred head and died on the cross. We stand tonight, we tell you, dear soul, he suffered alone. He died alone. He paid the price alone. No one else could do it. And thank God he was willing. And thank God he was able. And friend, I say to you tonight without Christ, don't be afraid to trust him. The trust the language of your soul tonight will be as you think of the lonely sufferer. Why was it? It was because my sin on him by God was laid. He who himself had never sinned. And the lonely sufferer died for our sins, according to the scripture, the loneliness of Calvary.
the loneliness of conviction. I do feel that God is speaking, and I know can see these meetings will be closing shortly. And uh, I would likely think there's some, and you have experienced the loneliness of conviction. It's a lonely thing. Psalmist said he acknowledges sin. Psalmist said, day and night thine hand, you hardly know what's wrong. Day and night the the hand was upon me. The loneliness of conviction, we have we, we have the loneliness of conviction. We can think of many. We can think of little Samuel lying in the temple. God speaking. Because of the prodigal son in the far country, there is the little. And either Samuel said he was alone. Day and night the hand of God was upon him. That's what he found pleasurable, pleasurable uh, now turned him. Realize the straightness of his own till his lonely business friend. When you realize that God is singling me out, God is speaking, God is drawing near, I tell you, it's not good of God singling you out, friend. Laying his hand upon you, as it were. And just bringing before you these serious, serious, serious matters. I trust you, friend, as you would experience the hand of God as it were upon you. Realize that God is speaking. Day and night. Likely you go to bed and it's in your mind. Likely wake in the morning and it's in your mind. I tell you, friend, listen, listen. It could well be, and I want to emphasize this if I can gently to you. It could well be the last time you'll experience maybe the hand and the loneliness of conviction. Friend, make sure to respond. Make sure to respond so. Realizes God is speaking to me. He has singled me. You feel like saying to some in the room tonight, dear soul, and some out in the park as well. Thank God there's some out there tonight as well. O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee. Long, long as he called thee in vain, he called thee when joy let us crown to thy days. And you're feeling the hand, the loneliness of conviction. Don't miss it so. Don't miss salvation this time, friend. The loneliness have been left. Could we think of anything more sad? Two. Sleeping. Too worthy. That's the way it'll be when the Lord comes. The way our world is, if we're sleeping and working, just day and night and differently, you know that. And if we're too sleepy, according to the Bible, one table, the other left. Will you be taken or left? Will you be taken or will you be left? Maybe at the computer. To work. The Lord to come. Well, beside you take. I don't know much, really. The Bible's on this. I know what it's going to be like when the Lord comes. I don't know. Thank God I'll never know. You'll be left to realize. The thing I dreaded has really happened. The thing I heard about it has happened. 
the Lord really has come. The saints really are gone. And I really am left. Loneliness. I've been left. Doesn't bear thinking about it. Get to Christ, friend. Get to Christ. The loneliness is the close. Revelation 20. I saw them standing. The running's all over. All the run. I mean, you, you know as well as I do. It's awful hard to get people stopped. Just stop. Stop. Please stop. All the business is over. All the education's over. All the, those are all very most important things, but they're all over. And all the running stopped. And all the busyness has stopped. Listen, it always impresses me. Stand. I saw the dead, small and great, running. No, no. It'll be a lonely stand. I said it'll be a lonely stand. Stand before God. The one that loved me. The one that died for me. The one that called me. The one that suffered alone from me. Now you'll stand before him. Why didn't you trust him? I leave it, friend. I leave it. I leave it. If you're not saved in God's name, make sure you get it tonight, friend. Oh, be saved. His grace is free. Oh, be saved. He died for thee, shall we pray. Father, we close our meeting. Thank thee for the manner of man that thy beloved son was, the perfect saviour. We thank thee for the lonely sufferer. We pray, Lord, that thou bless thy word. We look to thee for blessing this day. We don't deserve it. None of us does. But, Father, we pray that even salvation will come to this house tonight. In the Lord's precious name, amen.